everybody. Welcome to a special episode of School Psych Podcast. We're really excited. So glad that you could join us at a kind of a little bit of a different time in the afternoon. So we do risk my children like storming down at any moment, but hopefully we'll be good. So thank you so much for joining us. My name is Rachel. I'm a school psychologist working in Maryland. I'm going to pass it over to Rebecca to tell everybody how to participate. Rebecca? Hello, everybody. So this is so exciting for us, Facebook Live. As Rachel said, we don't do it that often, but um, you can participate just by adding your comments right to the thread. We are going to um, share your comments and try to reply. They do get kind of out of order when we reply to them, but we will be um, looking to see um, your comments and questions and thoughts as we go. We're really excited to have an episode in this way. And now I'm going to get right into it, pass it off to Eric, who's going to introduce our wonderful guest. All right. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Eric, and I'm a school psychologist also in Connecticut, and we are excited to have Rini Jane with us. And uh, just a little bit about her. I'm, I'm excited because I've been a fan for a long time. So um, this is really neat that uh, she's here live with us. And um, she is originally a tech entrepreneur um, who had anxiety, and she founded GoZen to help a new generation of kids, parents, and therapists uh, deal with anxiety. She's recognized as a pioneer in marrying technology to child psychology in a unique approach that nurtures the hearts and minds of kids. Through her writing, product invention, and development, master classes for parents and children's advocacy. She works to build the emotional intelligence of kids, including resilience, empathy, kindness, and critical thinking. Tens of thousands of families and professionals testify to the unparalleled success of GoZen's programs. And Rini has earned her master's in positive psychology. She is a, a mapster, as we talked about last night, the master's of applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania and uh, has in the scientific study of optimal human functioning uh, from UPenn. So welcome, Rini. We are so glad that you are here. I am so honored to be here. Thank you guys so much. I'm really, yeah. really, really excited. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sure. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know Gozen, Rini also does these fabulous um, workshops and um, uh, so you have to follow her. She has a Facebook page at GoZen, and you have to um, subscribe to her emails because she does these really amazing workshops with lots of practitioners, and it's been really a great source of professional development for me. So I wonder, Rini, if we could start with GoZen and and just how you how that came to be and kind of what your mission is there. Yeah, thank you for asking. So, you know, um, as my bio mentions, I just put it out there. I was a super anxious kid, you know, every single day, every single night I would wake up with worry. Uh, and I had, I worried about a lot of different things. So it wasn't one specific thing, you know, what if I don't do well in school? What if no one sits next to me on the bus? What if someone robs our house? So the anxiety started really in one area, I think in academics, and then it just started to bleed. And it was like the blob, <laughs> remember the blob? It just took over all different parts of my life. And I have these incredible parents, They're amazing, still amazing, beautiful, compassionate, loving, and they couldn't help me. You know, they just didn't know what to do or say besides, trust me and it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay and you know uh, there's nothing to worry about so lots of reassurance and so this kind of started i i remember trying to sleep with my brother's wiffle bat 
under my bed when I was five or six years old because I was really worried about getting robbed. And it continued on for years. And I got to the point where I was thinking to myself, or I I could feel it, that my parents started to feel helpless and hopeless, you know, that they couldn't help watching your child suffer and you don't know how to help them and my my brother was suffering and I just thought if I just pretend like everything's okay then maybe everyone else will be okay and stop worrying about my worry and that'll be good you know and maybe it'll just go away if I kind of fake it so I went on faking it I probably started, I don't, I don't remember, maybe I was 12 or 13 when I started pretending like everything was okay. And I did this honestly until my mid twenties when I can remember being in this very terrible relationship, frankly, you know, I had this boyfriend at the time and we were, I was going through a breakup, you know, as many of us do in our lives. And I had never developed skills to deal with challenges. I so I started having these massive panic attacks to the point where I had to <laughs> take myself to the hospital one day because I was like 24 or 25 and I was clutching my chest and I couldn't breathe and I was 100% convinced I was having a heart attack. Fully convinced like this is it. This is the end, you know, and taking my last breaths. And my doctor, you know, ran some tests and he was like, listen, you're way too young for a heart. You don't have a heart condition. You don't have any underlying conditions. You're perfectly healthy. You're basically, you have anxiety, severe anxiety, and you need to, you need to do something. And so I started exploring all these different things, yoga and meditation. And I ended up at a therapist's office, amazing, wonderful, amazing psychologist who started to teach me really the basics of how to feel. I had cut off my feelings for so very long that I just, I, I didn't even recognize them. I didn't even know what they were. I had to reacquaint myself with anger and with guilt and with sadness and even with the, with the good emotions, right? Because I had been non-feeling or pretending for so long. And as I was in, the, in these therapy sessions, I just had this, these moments where I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I know I'm in my mid-20s now and I'm an adult But I'll tell you what, if we had a time machine, I could certainly go back in time and teach the younger version of myself what you're teaching to me today, and it would have changed my life. And at the time, I had an undergraduate degree in finance. (laughs) It was like in business. I was already running my own business by that age, and it had nothing to do with psychology. But I, I thought to myself, I have to drop what I'm doing and completely change paths. And that was really the genesis or like the seed that was planted for GoZen. So I went back to school and I got a coaching certification and I got my master's in applied positive psychology. And I started working with people, with parents and with schools. And I developed GoZen, which is essentially a set of social and emotional learning programs. And we use different media like animation to teach skills of resilience and well-being because they're skills to kids in a language that they can understand. And you know, that was a really long-winded answer to your question, but really, if you just caught me, you know, we only had a few minutes together and you said, what do you do? I would tell you that I teach kids skills that I needed as a kid. And that's basically the the whole, (laughs) everything that I do in the world, every single day, that's what I do. Oh, that's so beautiful yep. and powerful. And we've said a lot 
amongst ourselves that we each became the adults that we needed when we were kids. And that's why we're in this work in school psychology. And um, I just I just love the power of your story. And I also find the work so helpful um, to me as a school psychologist to, to use the modules and the language and um, the characters. So how do you, but you um, mostly uh, kind of share with parents for, for um, parents to use the, the programs at home or how do you, how do you, get the word out. Yeah, so it's really interesting, you know, because we always get the question, well, what age is this for? And you'll see if you go on gozen.com, the age is kind of buried <laughs> sometimes. It might be more at the forefront now because we've been asked so many times, but these are skills that anyone can use at any point in their life. And so really the goal was that this would be a program that a kid could turn on and watch, you know, these cartoons basically and start to learn skills. Well, we found that parents started to watch with their kids or on their own. And then the parents started to tell their teachers, their kids' teachers in their schools. So we started off by working with parents and saying, if you wanna teach skills of resilience or if your child is feeling anxiety, this is a program that will help. And over the years, you know, we started with one program, then we made another program on resilience and a program on mindset. And, you know, like, so we, we created a bundle of programs essentially, but we started to have schools reach out to us and say, can we deliver these in schools? So now, you know, it's been about 10 years. We work about, um, we work with about 5,000 schools around the world um, and, you know, tens of thousands of parents. And I feel, I feel so blessed to be able to do that. And I say this in all honesty, I also feel like we're just scratching the surface, honestly, just, just scratching it. Because as you guys know, in the work that you do, these are things that if we taught every kid early, we could do so much prevention who's not going to face a challenge in their life? And now, now, you know, it's so apparent, right? We're all in it. But at some point, all of us are going to face something. And there's just no way that we can plow down or eliminate the challenges for our kids, nor do we want to. Do we really want them to live a life without challenge? You know, it's a question that I ask parents all the time. Do you really want your kid to have no challenges in their life? No, but we don't want that, but we want them to be able to navigate through them and grow from them. And that just takes so much practice. I feel like that's so relevant too, um, with everything that we're going on. I've got two children at home doing uh, the virtual learning full time. So I, and I'm watching my kindergarten student um, become frustrated with, you know, click on the link, now do this now. So, you know, all these steps and I see all these little faces on the screen. Um, getting frustrated and uh, you know we're lucky enough that we have a teacher that is in implementing you know some strategies okay let's take our breaths now I see that people are getting upset but it's, it's so important I think oh my goodness it's so hard can you imagine on. having been I I remember kindergarten I mean the things I remember about kindergarten are playing with mud literally <laughs> like making polished stones these are like my memories from kindergarten I cannot imagine being five or six years old or four years old and having to log on to Zoom or whatever technology is being used. I cannot imagine not being able to read facial expressions. I can't imagine like sitting there all day. I know that there are schools that are doing the best that they can and teachers doing the best that they can, but there are some schools that have rules like you can't eat and you can't move and you can't have a virtual background and you can't do this and the kids are like, ah. Oh my goodness. 
it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, that level of, of you know, the anxiety now is, uh, is, is sort of the norm, right? So we're, we're all just in this together with probably heightened emotions, heightened fear, heightened worry, and, um, and we see it now you know, perhaps those who, who may not have in the past, you know. Um, so, right, like you said, now more than ever, um, we need those tools and skills to be able to navigate these challenges that we're, we're all facing day to day. Just I like incredible. what you said too about kind of that wraparound that parents can do it. Parents can implement it, you know. So I'm, I'm picturing, yes, parents and teachers kind of on the same page, teaching these skills and, and kind of immersing. Yeah, and one of the things that we really love to do, you know, is destigmatize anxiety, right? It's it's what you guys do all day long. Oh, you're anxious? <laughs> Welcome to being human. <laughs> it's like a thing. And so in the programs and the books that we put out, we like to make it fun. We like to make it funny. And I have had some people, most of the people take to that, take to the humor and the programs, but some people have been over the years like, how dare you make it funny? This is a very serious subject. <laughs> I said, yeah, it is very serious for a, a lot of kids, right? It's a big overwhelming thing that they're dealing with. So why do we have to make the, the techniques and the instruction, why do we have to make that so serious? Isn't laughter some of the best medicine? So we love to use, and you know, like anything that anyone does in their own work, part of my own personality is infused into the work. And I like laughing. I like making people laugh. I like to laugh. And so that's a big thing that we do. I know that Rebecca, you've seen, you've seen the programs. We have goofy characters and we have ways to make kids laugh, you know, at themselves sometimes. It can be really therapeutic as you guys probably know. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm, finding that um, more than ever, as you were saying, you know, kids that have been doing what you were doing, kind of trying not to feel and have been anxious all this time and not even really identifying with that. Um, they're the ones that I'm seeing a lot in this uh, back to school time and this very unique back to school time. Eric and I are in Connecticut and we are 100% in person. So kids are coming back with all different procedures and precautions and um, they just are, you know, really anxious as, as we all are. And, but it's the ones that are okay with feeling it and talking about it that can move through it. Um, and the ones that really need the, that social emotional learning um, who, aren't, who aren't there yet, who aren't able to express it or identify it or understand it. So, um, that's a huge point, you know. I mean, anxiety makes you hyper vigilant to begin with, right? You're constantly looking around for the danger in your environment. But we have asked kids and ourselves and everyone to be hyper vigilant now. So we're activating, we're turning. If the switch wasn't flipped on before, it's flipped on now. Listen, make sure you, you know, stand this distance away, make sure you're doing this, make sure you're washing your hands. So they have been asked to be hyper vigilant. So I absolutely can understand why kids coming back in, in person or online or just experiencing, no matter what your situation is, you are experiencing a level of anxiety, right? No matter how much we've tried to bubble wrap our kids from everything that's going on, they're feeling it. They are feeling it. 
So how did you go from there, from all that wonderful work and supporting parents and kids in schools, understanding anxiety and practicing skills to ride the waves? How did you get from there to your new book and your new topic? Thank you for asking. So <laughs> the book next to me, it's in every, I'm in my home right now. It's in like every room of my house. <laughs> the kids are like another one. <laughs> um, so I recently wrote a book uh, with my friend, Dr. Shifali Sabari, and the book is called Superpowered. And one of the themes in the book, uh, I thought this was really important. One of the, one of my missions is to really teach kids that when they're coming to work alongside someone, when they're coming into this work, whether it be sitting in an office with a school psychologist or talking to their parents, that let's not start with the idea that something is extremely wrong with you, that something is going terribly wrong that needs to be fixed, right? Obviously kids come and they say, I have these issues and I have these challenges and I wanna work through them, but the premise of this book is that um, power is actually an acronym, is that you've come into the world with these certain powers. You came in completely present, right? If you have ever hung around like a two-year-old or a three-year-old, they're super mindful. You can't take a walk with one of those kids because they don't walk in a line, right? They stop and they like smell a flower or they point to it or they lick the ground or something. We come in present and it's amazing to me that we spend so much time and so much money, right, as we grow up trying to come back to presence. I mean, mindfulness and mindfulness classes are ubiquitous, right? Everybody's trying to get more mindful, but we come into the world mindful. The O is for originality. So we come into the world completely original, right? We come in, if you ask your four or five-year-old to get dressed, they will go in their room and they will maybe put on a tutu or a, they'll put on a lit, oh, <laughs> I have one right here. They'll put on, uh, you know, polka dot socks and they'll come out and they would go to school like that, right? They would go to school in their pajamas because they don't care. They don't have anyone to impress. They don't have any social media to impress. They're original and they own it. And the W, I think, was one of the most important things, right? We come into the world whole and worthy. We don't need to score a goal or get a trophy or or do anything we come in whole and we feel worthy we don't need to do something in order to feel worthy the e is for energy you can see i have a bundle of energy right here he's completely energized we come in energized he's so energized and the r is resilient right have you ever met a child who's come into the world who has the ability to walk who says you know what I've fallen down a hundred times. I think I'm just gonna give up. We are just resilient. So this book starts by giving kids examples and making them think of examples of how they're present, original, whole, energized, and resilient. And we're just coming back to our base of who we are, our natural, innate, amazing, powerful self. And then of course, yes, of course we go through lots of different, okay, you know what? That's not okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
we come back to our we're coming back okay we're gonna okay thank I, I you totally, very much. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> i'm like i hear mine upstairs there's like two seconds from coming down so i think we all understand especially yeah. working now from home and the, the zoom calls my children are are everywhere <laughs> but so funny and it's so and cute. I, <laughs> I think if you've all been there. Yes. If anyone's children were here to, to hear your son Rini, they would all chime in and we would have a little a little chorus. The bribe didn't work. <laughs> and this is Go ahead, go ahead, Eric. Uh, I was gonna say, this is the challenge, right? That every parent is facing, staying at home and you know, trying to <laughs> entertain our kids. And that was right. good parenting. I mean, it's happening all day long, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yes, yeah, so thank you for asking about the book. So the book is really we're trying to shift the paradigm in a few things. One is this belief that we're broken and we need to be fixed. And what goes along with that is really normalizing anxiety. In fact, the publishers are, it's Penguin Random House, and they call to have a roundtable discussion about this word anxiety. So the question was, maybe we should call it worry. Maybe people will be like, uh, anxiety. And I said, no, we are talking about anxiety. <laughs> the word needs to go, and they were totally on board. The word needs to go on the title of the book. And it is okay. To, not only is it okay, it's necessary to talk about. So in the book, there's no, you know, get rid of it. Let's get stress free, right? We don't talk about that. We talk about transformation. You have this thing some of it is productive and some of it's not productive, right? The unproductive parts, yeah, we're going to give you a lot of tools to work through the unproductive anxiety, but some of your stress and worry can actually be productive, but you need to learn to navigate through it. So those are kind of some of the ideas and the premise of the book. It sounds awesome. I love it. I love, yeah. Yeah. I love the topic, as, as you know, Rini, um, our mutual friend, Karen Baruch Feldman and I are working on a project on resilience as well. And I think that it's so timely. You know, our kids need it. We need to understand um, how we can tap in to those inner strengths and face challenges. Absolutely. I'm so excited for what you guys are creating. I cannot wait to see it. Um, it's funny. Someone was saying, you know, when we were writing this book, oh, someone else just released something on anxiety. And I said, good. The more, the merrier. The more, the merrier. Let, there's, there's, no, there's no monopoly on human feelings and how much we can we can contribute to helping kids and ourselves work through them. I yeah. think it's amazing. I'm super excited for you guys. Thank you. What would your, and, and by the way, I think I need to tap into my own resilience right now because I thought that this would be on Facebook Live, but it's actually on YouTube Live. So that's why my Facebook <laughs> friends are going to see it recorded. And please still comment if you're watching this video um, after we share it. But um it's it's uh, just an example of how we fail. We fail forward sometimes, right? And I'm hoping that's what can happen with this conversation. But what would you um, recommend for school-based professionals um, working with kids in school in terms of helping them um, 
identify their feelings, identify anxiety, know the line between helpful and unhelpful. And, and how do we teach skills of resilience in school? Well, yeah, you know, I'm sure that teachers all over the world are thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, I do not have psychological training, right? How am I supposed to help identify what's going on? And the thing about anxiety, like many emotions, can wear many different masks, right? Sometimes we see anger and defiance and underneath is anxiety. Sometimes we see it, I always say anger is, you know, anxiety's kissing cousin. And sometimes it shows up and it manifests in different ways. And a lot of times parents will say to me, you know, how, when, do, when do I know it's a problem? And I always say, if it is, dis I mean, I know that you guys probably have your own way of figuring out if it needs attention, I always say as a rule of thumb, is it disruptive, right? Is it disruptive to regular life, to sleeping, to socializing, to doing what you want to do and showing up as you want to show up? So for example, when I was young, you know, part of my anxiety was social anxiety. So I wanted to do things like go to parties or go to sleepovers and I wanted to do that. It's not that I wanted to stay home. I wanted to be there, but I couldn't get myself to then to the point where it was very disruptive you know to to my family and to my ability to function generally and so as a teacher it can be really hard you have you have 20 30 sometimes i lived in la for a while sometimes 40 students in your class right you're attending to a lot of them um right now if you're in person like you guys are in connecticut and I don't know if you're doing this, but in a lot of in-person classes, they're wearing masks. I think not being able to see facial expressions can be really difficult, right? Now we've lost. So now we're, you know, we're not just reading this, which for some teachers was or people were was hard to read anyway. Now we're just reading this. Wow, that's become so much more difficult. So I think it's hard. I think you do have to look out for, you know, there are some signs, grades dropping, disruptions, defiance, um, change in behavior, change in appetite, you know, there can be so many things. But I think the question broadly that we also need to ask is, what responsibility, right, do we feel as when you're in an educator role to be able to make that call? I, I guess I would ask you guys what you feel, being school psychologists, you feel that teachers can do, or maybe even I'll use the word should be doing, what do you guys think? Well, it's such a good question. I think um, where we started with normalizing it, you know, noticing it, naming it, modeling it in ourselves as adults. Like I know my teachers did a lot of that the first weeks of school. Like just said, isn't, isn't this strange? Doesn't this feel uncomfortable? How am I going to show you that I'm smiling? Can you see if I'm smiling with my eyes? Can you tell by the sound of my voice how I'm feeling? And if, and sometimes you won't be, so I'm going to let you know. I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling in this moment. Like all of that very explicit um, talking about feelings as a model for adults, um, I think is more important than ever. And then um, helping kids feel like, okay, so that uncomfortable feeling that you're having and that thing that you're doing that the feeling is making you do is totally normal. I get it. Let's sit with it. Let's just tell me about it. So let's talk about it. Um, and I also wanted to mention I'm noticing too, which is so complicated right now, 
so many kids will bypass me and go right to the nurse because what they want is just to go home and not feel that feeling anymore, you know, and not, not because school is bad or just because the anxiety can be so overwhelming. So I think partnering with our school nurses is going to be really important, um, but complicated right now because you know, they know oftentimes kids are so smart. They know what to say that will get them um, home. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's hard as a parent, you know, when you're, if you get a call from the school nurse and maybe the nurse is clued in and knows <laughs> there's nothing actually wrong, right? The tummy ache is related perhaps to anxiety. It's hard as a parent to say, okay, you know, my, I, I'm uncomfortable because my kid is uncomfortable, but I know that they can get through it. And it's hard to know, like, how maybe they're so overwhelmed that I should just let them come home. It's very, it's a very difficult call to make, I think, from a parenting point of view, you know. I know that in my kids' school, they're in person right now in school, that we are, we're not going on the premises of the school just to, you know, reduce the risk of, of transmission of COVID. So I don't know what's going on as much as I used to because I used to be able to go my kids are six and seven you know they're in first and second grade I used to be able to go into the classroom every day and kind of get a feel for the atmosphere so I feel like a lot of us outside of the schools are operating a little bit with blinders on sorry I didn't mean to change the subject I was just thinking that Rebecca as you were saying you know yeah no it's so true and like the, also the normal ways that we especially for the little ones you know there is no, oh, do you just need a hug or, um, you know, you know, take my hand and we'll walk inside or we'll go to recess together. And there's nothing like that at all. And um, it's really challenging. And so that drop off feels, I'm sure, especially to the little ones and to our anxious ones, just much more severe, much more difficult. Yeah. Once they get there, though, I think teachers are going above and beyond to help them feel that sense of belonging and connection and care. It's just, it's just, there's a lot of feelings all around. <laughs> I think those are big, big things. I think belonging is, you know, there is just a new paradigm along around belonging. How do you make a kindergartner, for example, Rachel was saying, right, a kindergartner on Zoom feel that they belong, especially in an online environment? Like, what does that look like? What does that look like for a, what does a teacher do that's doing it well? <laughs> I've turned the interviewing around. <laughs> you guys tell me. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> And, you know, as we were talking last night uh, with our, our guest yesterday, um, some of the folks in the audience were, were responding with, um, you know, we can be strength spotters for these kids, right? We can engage them by recognizing their strengths, even if it's in a virtual environment. And, um, and, and I think making space, it, really just like you said, making space for those emotions. So, I think sometimes the first thing we want to do when we feel anxious or uncomfortable is to get rid of the feeling. And so then the battle becomes with the feeling, not necessarily working through the, the circumstances or the challenge. And, and so I, I'm noticing teachers making really good space for emotions and, and you know, being able to help in that process with them um, to allow kids to feel what they're feeling. And we're incorporating a new social and emotional learning component in uh, the elementary school that I'm assigned to. And it, it looks really good because you can see kids 
um, just having that sense of emotionality just normalized for them. And what a great connection with the adults when that happens too, that, you know, we're all feeling a little uncomfortable and, and it's okay, but tell me about what, you know, what you're feeling. And, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, if that were the only step that we all took as in, in education system, if that was the only thing like, Oh, you know, you're worried, you're crying, you're angry, and that's okay, right? Your feelings are okay. Like they are, we are going to, in whatever way we can, hold space for them. Can you imagine? I think it would be a different world, frankly. I always thought that the feelings that I had were bad, right? <laughs> Which made me bad or, or wrong. Something was wrong with me. So just the ability to know that it's not wrong and that that you won't be somehow penalized or shamed in any way for feeling that way in a public space, right? Because we know a lot of times it's okay at home, but we're, when we're in school or somewhere like that, no, 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 I just have to put my game face on. So that's, that's amazing to hear. That's really hopeful. Totally agree. Really I think that having kind of that, that upfront, uh, you know, having these discussions and teaching those skills before you get into that frustrating place and having that shared vocabulary so that they understand their feelings, can label their feelings. Um, and then teachers, what I see is really effective is, yeah, teachers modeling these things because we know that teachers are having technology glitches and, um, you know, whoops, the mask comes down or things like that and, and can model these coping behaviors. So I've been seeing a lot of teachers doing that and showing and going back to you know your question or a comment about you know what can teachers do, and I think that teachers um, need to give themselves more credit because oftentimes I hear teachers say, "Well, I don't know how to teach that. I don't understand." But they really do. They're, a teacher is a teacher, and so if we give them some some tools and strategies or curriculum or some verbiage, you know, teachers can pick this stuff up very nicely and run with it and be the kind of that first line of defense to help with normalizing and to help with the vocabulary and to help model and do all. And I, so I've been seeing really great yeah, things. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I think they have to, to be that. the first line of defense. You know, there are not enough nurses, coaches, school psychologists. They're just not, not enough. This is, we've come to the time where we need to universally teach some of the basics, right? Of like emotions 101, even if it's five or 10 minutes a day. We have a lot of times um, schools will come to go Zen and they'll say, yeah, you know, I want to use your programs, but we're focusing on like the core math, reading, writing and arithmetic. And I say, listen, I, I'm just saying this, you know, in, in no way, shape or form, like putting myself in a box, but my parents were Indian immigrants and boy, do I understand the core subjects. Okay. <laughs> my parents were like, uh, you're learning math. My dad used to give me extra math homework when we came home. Like, I get it. I totally get it. However, the research is so clear now that if you teach kids social and emotional learning skills, it goes hand in hand with academics. They do 10 to 11% better on their tests and, and their other academic endeavors. And so I think the time has come. The time has come to teach these skills to kids as, and they're as important. They call them soft skills sometimes. I never understand that terminology. I don't know what that means. These are the skills that are going to get you through the hardest times of your life. <laughs> so they're definitely, maybe they are soft, you know, I guess that's okay. But it doesn't mean that they're not powerful. So true, absolutely. They're soft like water, the way water carves a rock. 
Um, that's beautiful. And I just wanted to say, me too. My parents are both Indian immigrants too. So I have a strong connection with that focus on academics and, and the limits of how helpful that can be. Um, and, and certainly in our back to school plan too. And I think in most schools, back to school plan post um, school closures last year in, in the spring for COVID, everybody understood that social emotional learning has to be a priority. But I think there is the adult fear that, okay, yeah, so it's, is it a priority enough? Can we move on catching them up because they missed us, you know? So I think we have to course correct often manage that own fear of ours because that has been so much of the work, right? So much of the work to deal with our own fears about kids falling behind. <laughs> and then you have to really have had to, a lot of people, including, you know, everybody has had to do some hard introspection, falling behind on basically these magical metrics that we all made up, that we have to be at a certain place by a certain time. And I think it, again, it has caught, created a lot of time or it's forced a lot of great reflection right there have been and i know it's created a lot of sufferings for for kids who are in sports for example right and they wanted to be competitive in a particular sport and then their sports were their group sports were canceled completely and that is can be so difficult because sports can be a beautiful wonderful thing for so many different reasons right but parents had to come to terms with, oh my goodness, my my kid's not going to be able to play tennis and be this like, star tennis player, right? Or or this is going to affect their their future. And you know how we all tend to be catastrophic thinkers at one time or another. And I find in my work with parents that it always ends up <laughs> like one of three or four play homelessness. You know, the kids are going to be in jail or they're going to be addicted to drugs. It's always like the worst. <laughs> like the worst. I'm like, oh, okay, so they like they're going to do this math thing over again next year, but somehow that ends up like they're going to be homeless, right, in 15 or 20 years. <laughs> so we really, really, really needed to start. And I think even though this has been a painful lesson for many of us to reflect on our own, I don't want to say value sets, but I'm going to say value sets. And if those were aligned with the goals that we had for our kids and the way in which we were asking them to execute those goals. It's so well said, and I'm still feeling, I'm still regulating my own disappointment that, <laughs> that we're not on Facebook Live. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Not to make you, it's okay to sit in the feeling, and now enough of sitting in the feeling, I'm going to make you feel better. We can do it again <laughs> sometime, okay? Invite me on again, and we will do this on Facebook Live. <laughs> oh, thank you. But see how I didn't let you sit in your disappointment? I couldn't handle it. It's a bad example. <laughs> So funny, but that would be really awesome. I really do want to get the word out to school psychologists and, and parents that just how helpful Gozen is. I can't wait to read the book myself, and I'm sure that it's, it's just absolutely fabulous. Um, and so what are your next steps? How are you reaching and teaching, and what are your goals for the next uh, immediate future? Yeah. yeah, thank you for asking. Um, I have been, I'm not very good at savoring. It's 
definitely something I've been working on. So the book uh, debuted on September 22nd, and last week it hit the New York Times bestseller list. And my, you know, my thank you. My mom called me, um, and I just start. I had a hard time accepting her compliments and sort of sitting in the fact that that this actually happened because you know for a long time I didn't believe that the pain and the suffering that I experienced growing up could lead to meaning and help me help other people um, I think that was one thing that was really sort of it was just so exciting to have that kind of recognition like yeah you know I didn't go through it in vain and then the other thing I think that was so exciting is that wow a book on anxiety for kids is hit some kind of bestseller list it's so important for all of us to acknowledge that our kids need this and I felt like that was this you know a, a signal basically for us that this work is important so I know I didn't really answer your question but what I'm trying to do right now is sort of savor the fact that there's been an openness and a receptiveness to the content and then to find and then you know I have um just have my creativity sort of spins out of control so I have to rein myself in you know are we going to animate the book and like, what are we going to do next and then we have a, a few projects that are in the works and that I will let you know about once they start but yeah that's what I'm doing now I'm trying to save her wonderful that's awesome thank you yeah. thank you yeah yeah absolutely we're savoring it's it's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing it all with us. I will yeah. ask if any have anyone has any questions, but nobody's watching really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That's amazing that you know people will watch later and they'll get yes. the content that they need. That's okay. okay. I am so grateful to have had time with you guys too. It's been amazing. Thank you. So, yeah, and your passion um, is so inspiring to mm -hmm. see somebody who so, so fully, you know, is is willing to share and, and wants to do other for others and is just, you know, passionate about you know, the work that you're doing. And I think that that's contagious and that kind of helps us in our jobs as school psychologists, especially with this crazy year that we're all having. Um, so it's, it's refreshing to to connect with you and, and hear thank about all you. this. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you. And Rebecca, as I've told you before, and Rachel and Eric, I, I love your work. I One of the things that I love about it, and this might just sound kind of mundane, but I love the consistency of it. You guys are always consistent. There is, I don't know, you, never, you don't even take the holidays off. There's always content that I want to read coming out of your, you know, either coming out of your news feeds on, you know, on social media or coming out of your podcast. So just know that your work is recognized and acknowledged and totally appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you. much. Thank you so much. Yes. And then for anyone who is watching this recording, please do. If you have questions for us, we can continue the yes. conversation. Time. So post your questions and your thoughts and your everything right under the video, and we will um, 
maybe we will schedule another Facebook Live uh, conversation where we can get those questions to me. See, I like this trick to rope her into another. another. <laughs> right. This was a <laughs> I'm easily roped. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you. And I just love your creativity too. It's just fantastic how you've, you know, blended, you know, your your worlds of technology and animation and all of these amazing skills and and using that to do this wonderful work that you're doing uh, with this mental health you know, support component. It's incredible. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. You know, only if they didn't like invent things like Fortnite, I would be good. <laughs> I can't compete with Minecraft and things like that. <laughs> but if you're a household that doesn't use those things, you'll love Gozen. Yes. yes. <laughs> and they're never used in school, Fortnite and uh, Minecraft. So, and that would, it's very appealing to use in schools, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Good afternoon.